to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, is Daniel. Hey, that feel that that felt <laughs> weird. I know it, it, that's it. That's why I tripped over it at first. Uh, Lauren, unfortunately, will not be on this episode. Uh, she is quite quite under the weather, and with nothing that'll get fixed anytime soon. Oh, so. Send her your well wishes. Hopefully she's good. She's good by the time this episode comes out, but one never knows. And Daniel has COVID. So hey. everything is just everything is just coming up Millhouse. Uh, today we'll be discussing season 10, episode 18, which is titled Where There's Smoke. The episode aired on April 8th, 2004. Lo- <laughs> not Lauren. Daniel, what was going on that week 20 years uh, ago? We're doing it live. Uh, <laughs> uh, headlines this week. Uh, slow news week. Yeah, fucking hope so uh so we'll talk a little video game news that we missed over in japan pokemon fire red and leaf green were released for the game boy advance uh remakes of pokemon red and blue from 1996 the games marked the first time pokemon games were remastered or remade games would reach american shores in uh september of 2004 and it was one of the top speedrun categories on twitch i have never is this I've game these never games. never played either one of them I play i mean i played the original like i played red originally but i never haven't touched any of the remakes uh, Hellboy, the comic book movie starring Ron Perlman, Selma Blair, and Doug Jones debuts and beats out fellow newcomer Wel- Walking Tall for the number one spot at the box office. And everyone still loves being up in the club with their homies as Yeah by Usher featuring Ludacris and Lil Jon is still the number one song. Daniel, what else is on? <laughs> at 8 p.m. we got a Friends <laughs> rerun as we continue to limp our way to the finish line with Friends. Uh, at 8.30, Will and Grace with I Never Cheered for My Father. And at 9, The Apprentice with Down to the Wire, part one of three. The, the alternate title for that episode is I Wish I Were Dead. Uh, a th- a three-part Apprentice episode? No, thank you. Uh, this week's episode had an even 20 million viewers tuning in, directed and written by a couple of first-timers this week. Uh, directed by Tanya McKiernan, doing her first of four. Uh, the other stuff that she's known for in the directing world includes Blind Spot, uh, not the Blind Spot, not the uh, Sandra Bullock movie that you know has since been kind of discredited. Uh, Terminator, Sarah, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, and NCIS. Uh, and written by J.C. Young. This one is actually really interesting. This is our one of, uh, one of one writing credit, not just for the show, period. <laughs> this person is writing their only episode of television ever, and it's this one. Uh, and So they're... So- She's who I blame. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Th- send send this person your letters. I suppose, uh, because yeah. uh, and I, so I, I had to with with that kind of knowledge, I had to do a little bit of a deeper dive and figure out just what's going on here. And legally required. Right, turns out that we have a little bit of a nepo baby situation on our hands here, uh, as uh, young JC here, <laughs> pun intended. Young JC uh, is the daughter of an executive producer and series creator on China Beach, which, as we all know, is kind of the ancestral. Uh, over overlord uh, grandfather series to er you know it's where uh, john wells got his start it's where a lot of the actors from er uh you know kind of filtered through over the years and so like it, it's kind of a spiritual whatever the opposite of a spiritual successor is spiritual ancestor i guess uh so it walked so er could exactly run. so uh jc here was kind of i guess owed one and so you know she gets to write this episode. Uh, 
good for her, I guess. <laughs> you know, the uh, yeah. the only other thing I was able to find on her from uh, my my little bit of Google searching was her wedding announcement from two thousand and four or five or something like so you know it was like was this a wedding present maybe then? so maybe that's what it was episode? yeah maybe it was a wedding present who knows uh but shout out to jc for her one and only writing credit this week uh and no carter joining us this week we got enough we got enough going on we don't need to deal with his bullshit too exactly uh because my alternate title for this episode is the gays can't have nice things okay so i have had <laughs> i have had a lot of time on my hands this week because i've been ill yes and i I went back and forth several times about do I want to add additional worse alternate titles for this? <laughs> I mean, go hit him, hit me with them. They're Come all on. in poor taste. They are all in, oh, increasingly. I mean, in this poor episode, taste. this episode is in poor yeah. taste. So. Uh, first, the, I really it was really only a couple of good ones that I came. Up with. I, I had a lot of rejected ones, but the the two good ones that I came up with were smoking hot lesbians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and uh, flaming homosexuals. <laughs> Oh, Daniel. So, you know, like I said. So write your letters to Daniel. I've had, I've had a lot of time <laughs> on my hands, all right? Uh, well, thematically appropriate, our previous line was brought to us by Carrie, and we open with uh, Carrie and Sandy getting ready in the, mo- in the morning. Uh, Sandy's mom comes to babysit Henry, who couldn't be any cuter. I love it. The little baby, just, just too damn cute. Uh, and Carrie and Sandy... Head off to work, uh, which this will be the last time they see each other before the fire. Ugh. Ugh. I just hate everything about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of hating everything about this, we go over to check in on Sam and Alex, who are getting ready to head out for the day. And oh, yeah. I forgot to ask, add Alex to the shitty kids list for this episode. Contractually obligated. Uh, Sam is asking about sodomy laws, because of course he does. Uh, he's the ultimate shitty kid. And uh, Luca pops by after his night shift just to uh, check in and, you know, get laid. Uh, And he correctly accepts the sultry advances of Linda Cardellini, which, yes, you're right. I mean, there's a certain there's a certain feral part of me that, you know, is uh, very taken with Linda Cardellini. But I will say I have been struck this season by how distracting the hair is uh, in this uh, season. Like early really? Sam, yeah, with the like f- the the really like aggressively crimped, dirty blonde thing. Like it just it's see, I don't mind it's, it. It's so. so very of its time, like early mid two thousands. That like it is very distracting. I'm much more of a freaks and geeks Linda Cardellini speed. Like I was gonna say, would you would you prefer her like grungy yes. looking, or would you prefer her with an orange sweater yeah. and glasses and a and a brown grungy wig? disinterested Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks is a hundred percent more my speed. Like, that's that's my more my wheelhouse. All right. Well, we go over to the ER. Abby and Neela are waiting on their board, board exam scores. Uh, Gallant tries to cheer Neela up because she's very, eh, I don't know if I passed. Uh, an extremely pregnant Susan shows up with a guy from Legal. Uh, he is here to interview people about Luis's death from last episode, but they are not being sued quite yet. And who plays our legal guy? Oh boy, buckle up, kids! This is this episode is a little bit of an oh hey, it's that guy Palooza, uh, and we're starting off with a bang here with the uh, high water mark actor for the episode, uh, this risk management guy here, uh, Armin Shimmerman, which is first of all, great name, a- beautiful name, a tier name. Uh, he has appeared in stuff like Star Trek Deep Space Nine and does a lot of voice work, especially in the video game world. Uh, he has done voices oh. in Bioshock uh, and the Ratchet and Clank series. 
uh, and he has 212 credits to his name, uh, making him far and away the high watermark actor for this episode. But I will say, we got a lot of oh hey, it's that guys this episode with totals that in any other episode they would walk away with it. It just so happens that they're happening to share the screen with this guy who is like so ridiculously ahead of the field with credits that uh, it would be impossible to beat him. Uh, but that does bring us into the intro. We are in with bangs. Uh, we come out of the intro. Pratt is trying to be a wingman for Gallant. I believe he's saying something about uh, the girl is like a, a stripper or something that he's trying to set them or up on like a double date on. I don't on. know exactly. It, Pratt's being a creep again. Yeah, the, it's this weird little side plot with Pratt where like he's being really sleazy and also trying to like buddy up with Gallant. And it doesn't really go anywhere because as we... You know, spoilers to the end of the episode, Galat's going to be gone by the end of this episode for a while. So it's uh, kind of a, a, a go-nowhere plot. Uh, but we get our first patient of the episode, a John Doe, presumed homeless, uh, approximately 70 years old. He's very cold, has high blood pressure, and very high blood sugar levels. Uh, and when they, uh, I believe Chen is examining, uh, yeah. uh, Pratt's presenting to Chen, who is, uh, you know, doing a further exam on him. And as she goes to examine him, he leans over the bed and just pees on her, uh, which is... Exactly what she needs right now. It's got established. You got to establish dominance in in the county ER. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, and our patient here, who we will later find out, is named Bob Jones. Which tell me that this is the first episode of television that somebody has written. <laughs> like she didn't. <laughs> she didn't waste any brain cells coming up with these character names. Bob Jones here is played by actor Kurt Lowens, who appears in stuff like Angels and Demons, The Born Supremacy, and Flight Plan. And he has 134 credits to his name. And I think I forgot to write it down, but I'm pretty sure he's no longer with us based on his age. And I, Yeah, he's pretty cool. I want to say it's like 2017 he passes. So, like, not super duper, uh, you know, he lived a good long life. But, like, you know, he he ain't still with us. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. Uh, Lizzie says surgery has been sort of an administrative chaos since Romano's death by uh, via helicopter. Uh, Carrie offers her not. I thought it was the chief of surgery at first, but then Anspa shows up this episode. Mm-hmm. Is Anspa still a chief of surgery? I think no. I think by this point he's been moved into sort of that emeritus role. I would imagine he's probably uh, um, doing fill-in work since Romano's death, uh, and they're trying to find a more permanent, you know. Long, yeah, long-term replacement he's back from the shadow realm this episode yeah they do trot him out for just a, a hot sec uh but yeah carrie offers uh lizzie a high-ranking role on the administrative side whatever it, it is uh and then but lizzie doesn't immediately say yes because she's kind of like well fuck you didn't like <laughs> what the what's the, what's this I all mean, of a sudden maybe i maybe i don't want yeah, it this is sort of carrie's uh style though like she did this to abby with the the nursing manager role she's done it i think to susan with maybe it was it wasn't chief resident but it was it was something maybe attending role or something like she she's done some stuff like this in the past this is very on brand for carrie uh, and then our next patient uh, is one another one of our through ones through the episode uh, abby's with a mr halpern a guy uh, who has a back pain problem and her and gallant think the guy is drug seeking since he wants vicodin and Oh great, a drug seeking storyline. Hate it. Well, actually, this one actually ends up with a decent, with actually a decent ending. Yeah. But anyway, who plays our who our back pain guy? Yeah, back pain guy, Mr. Halpern here, played by actor Scott Clace or Clacy. I'm not 100 percent sure how you say his last name, uh, but he has appeared in stuff like The Pursuit of Happiness, Deja Vu, and Bosch, and he has a pretty healthy 110 credits to his name. Side note: 
Did you know that the movie Pursuit of Happiness is spelled happiness and not the yeah, I? Yeah, that's why it always that's why it always pissed me off. I, that feels like one of these Mandela effect things that I've just like completely ignored <laughs> for the last twenty years. That like I just assumed that that movie was spelled right. No, it's not, and now it's going to bother me forever. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like even just seeing the little red squiggly line on the notes doc is like I just want to just get in there and just fix that you know but it's fine it's fine blame will smith it's his movie it's easy to do these days uh we then go over and see uh neela being briefly interviewed by uh the legal team uh she's sticking to the story from last week that this was all gallant's fault uh and uh as they're leaving so susan is kind of put in charge of this whole thing like it's her and the the risk management guy kind of leading this and so as Neela gets up to leave, she Susan suggests that maybe Neela look into a part-time research position, and she gives her a, a name and a phone number. That's uh, and as as we sort of learned from Neela last episode, she's none too keen to to go the research route. Like that's not yeah. not why she got into medicine. She wants to be a doctor, ass doctor, Doctor T M. Uh, but we uh, go back down to the ER. Chen's frustrated that she's the only attending on duty. Uh, but she does approve of Sam and Luca bumping uglies. So, you know, good for good for everyone involved. Good. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's consenting. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, Bob Jones, our old diabetic from earlier, wakes up and uh, claims that he's homeless, confirming what we presumably already knew. Uh, and uh, Chen, Chen's, uh, on the other hand, though, does not buy it at all. So more to come yeah. on this. Because his blood work shows that he's been his sugars have been controlled until very recently. Mm. Yeah, uh, but Chen's dad almost set a fire by trying to cook. So fun times are had by all there. Uh, Abby talks with legal and says she doesn't have. I forgot to finish that note. <laughs> <laughs> this is also my second time doing notes. <laughs> Look, shit like this is bound to happen. But Abby talks with legal. Nothing really happens. Uh, trauma comes in uh well a bunch a whole bunch of yeah traumas. this is this is yeah. why that sentence didn't get finished is because everything goes down the shitter from this moment exactly uh there was a warehouse fire so we get a bunch of but no civilians were injured only firefighters uh tommy mason 33 is our first one with full thickness burns to the neck face and chest and then we they move right along <sighs> so fuck the burn thing i hate burn patients well <laughs> and you and you got them in uh in surplus this week yeah, I hate the bad burn patients. Ugh, just the fucking. Ugh. I will say it's the very few things on the show squick me out. Yeah, well, yeah, they, the burn, pa- the burn patients. It's too. the easiest way for like props and makeup to show off, you know. Um, but and I will say my memory of this episode was a lot worse than my uh, reality of rewatching it. Yeah, like, thankfully this is the one where they focus solely on the burn, the burn guy. Right, yeah. So and I, we're focusing on something else way worse. Yeah. So uh, our next firefighter brought in is Andy Fash, a 22-year-old who's suffering from bad smoke inhalation and complains of belly pain. Uh, and Andy here is our second uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia alum f- of the season uh, after uh, Glenn Howerton left us. Uh, Rob and I... I'm, this is where I have to confess. I've never actually heard this dude's last name pronounced out loud, so I'm just going to... McElhaney? 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 I have no fucking clue, but he's the... Mix something. He's one of the other dudes who isn't Charlie Day from that show. <laughs> like That's pretty much... He's the one who got fat. Right, yeah. And then lost weight. Right. <laughs> Committed to his craft. 
and he has, of course, done stuff like Mythic Quest, Lost, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, wish I liked that show more. I, I like I like it fine, the stuff that I've seen, but I've always I've never had the like pull to go search. Exactly, more. that's kind of where I'm at. Like what I've seen has been really funny. Yeah, but it just never it just yeah it just hasn't clicked. But yeah. Uh, and yeah, fuck, here we go. So the next patient brought in is Sandy, who's suffering from a crushed pelvis and chest with prolonged extrication. Uh, she's got a pneumothorax, but she is talking in conscious. Uh, don't get used to it. Uh, she may need to be intubated anyway, uh, but uh, wants to talk to Carrie before they do that. Uh, and we learn that she has free fluid in her belly and is going to need surgery. This sucks. Oh, boy uh another good news tommy is crashing and needs a fasciotomy fucking gross uh actually just but but not quite yet because right now he actually just needs a needle decompression thanks to gallant uh and back to andy who has a dislocated knee pop back that's the one that is the also awful that's the foley work that's the one that got me slash sound effects added in whatever uh, Carrie's come down for Sandy, comforts her, but Sandy loses consciousness while they're talking, and Carrie starts to intubate her. Ugh, God. Why do the best... I mean, I, I get it. It's a, This is the drama part of medical drama, but, like, why do all the best performances from people have to come in their, like, absolute worst moments? Like, their absolute just, mm-hmm. like, ugh. Like, because, I mean, Carrie whatever you think of this storyline and whatever you think of this episode and whatever you think of them doing this, which... We'll get into it as we go along, but like this is unquestionably kind of just a shitty thing to do, just from from a writing standpoint, for the sake of a shitty thing to do. (laughs) There wasn't a ton of justification for this. Fuck you, JC. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of justification for this. This really does kind of feel like a cheap ratings ploy, Uh, and uh, drama for the sake of drama. Yeah, and it just because like as as our listeners have so uh, dutifully outlined for us in some of their listener responses, once you really get into and start breaking down the minutia of how often or how I should say less often Sandy has actually been a p- active participant in the show. It's like, man, we really did just like trot her out just to kill her. Like there's, there's no reason for this. We didn't have to do this. It's like, yay. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> such a fucking bummer. <sighs> so yeah, more to come on that. Uh, we find out that Andy may need a knee replacement, which is obviously not what you want to hear if you're a 22-year-old firefighter uh, climbing up and down ladders and hauling a bunch of shit up and down stairs. Uh, it's the last thing you want to hear. Uh, we go back to Pratt, who uh, checks in on Tommy, who's going to need a thoracotomy. Uh, and there's some real gross Foley work when they spread his ribs open. Like I said, they... Like, especially gross. They, like, it's already gross on a normal patient with... Right. With no burns on their skin, it is. They like turn it up to they turn it up to eleven on this yeah. one. They relish the opportunity uh, whenever they can with burn patients to really go like, see, look what we can do. We can make it really gross and oogie. Like they really are twisting the knife here. Uh, we go back over to Sandy's trauma where Carrie's having trouble getting her intubated, but does finally get it done. Great. Uh, Andy's having trouble breathing though. Uh, no one's coming to help a- Abby anytime soon. Uh, Abby's just says fuck it and is going to do the intubation herself. Uh, and when it cannot be done, Abby says fuck it again and is just going to crank the guy, which she has never done before, but she does successfully. And sh- she's yelling all this. Pratt and Shen are right next door with Tommy. Like she's calling for them. She's like, I'm fucking doing this. And 
they're all like, yeah, yeah, we'll be there soon. And once Abby says, oh, don't worry, don't, you don't have to worry about it. I cracked him. He's fine. And then Chen is like, fuck yeah, Abby. Yeah. Chen is like, that's a med student, like, which is a great line. Um, but I, I also can see I'm, I'm trying to play, you know, middle of the road here and, and see both sides of the argument. I can I can definitely see where this might be in a moment that people people in the anti Abby camp might trot out as like like rolling their eyes of just like, oh, Abby's good at everything. And like it's I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying I, I see where you're coming from. I see maybe what you might be what you might be seeing. Has anyone made the argument that Abby's a Mary Sue? Uh, not in so many words, but I mean that's essentially the yeah. argument. Yeah, I, that, that's it, when it, when they're not busy calling her a whore or you know, uh, oh Jesus <laughs> like, Christ! Yeah, when they're not when they're not slut when they're not busy slut shaming her, they usually are going like, uh, "It's annoying that she's good at everything." Like, so it's pick your poison. Uh, but we get time of death called on Tommy, which I think kind of everybody you know you could you could tell that was going to be the outcome coming in the door there unfortunately um corday is down to bring sandy up to surgery uh she offers to let carrie observe uh which carrie is you know of course jumps at the jumps at the chance and they go to start to take her upstairs as they're getting her loaded up into the elevator sandy's uh, family shows up great timing oh boy great timing here uh and we got some some very kind of familiar faces the lesser of the two familiar faces sandy's I'm ass- I'm gonna assume this is her father, um, because I he's not really given a name in the in the episode, but based on Sandy's family member, yeah, based on how he's like consoling Sandy's mother, and I'm I'm assu- he is making his first of three appearances, so I'm assuming we'll get more insight into his uh in his place in the family, but I, for now I'm gonna say Sandy's father, uh, is played by actor Danny Mora, who appears in stuff like Mr. Mom, Lethal Weapon, uh, and Gridiron Gang, and he's making, as I said, his first of three appearances, and then we get Sandy's brother, who is the one of them, one of them, yeah, they're one of several, um, but this one is like an immediate, oh hey, it's that guy, like you you will look at his face and you will go, I know that guy from something. Uh, Jose Zuniga, who appears in stuff like Twilight, Alive, and The Dark Tower, among many, many other things. Please do not recite his uh, IMDb filmography to me. I'm sure you've seen him in something, and I'm sure it was great. Uh, 140 credits to his name. Well, not if it was The Dark Tower or Twilight. Uh, Again, I'm I'm not involved. (laughs) I'm not his agent. Uh, 140 credits, uh, and he's making his first of two appearances. Okay. Uh, Moving right along, we get our first of two audio clips here today. Uh, Glant is being interviewed by Legal. I can tell you exactly what happened. I mean, we ha- we had a very recent discharge summary documenting an adverse reaction to morphine. The patient was in pain. I gave the order to administer Demerol. I shouldn't have. End of story. Not exactly. Luis Sanchez's chart is incomplete. No attending note. Any idea why that is? Well, maybe Dr. Carter didn't have a chance to do it before it was sequestered by Legal. He was leaving for Africa that night, so... So he was a little distracted, is what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that at all. Do you think he needed time to get his facts straight? What? No, it it was a busy night. We had a lot of patients. Is Dr. Carter typically available to you? Of course he is. What are you doing? I thought you were supposed to be helping us here. I am. By preparing you for the difficult questioning you may face in a deposition. Do you feel supported by Dr. Carter as an attending? Yes, he 
He's a great teacher. He's one of the finest physicians I've worked with. And I respect his opinion tremendously. So why didn't you present to him? It just doesn't make sense because he was probably 30 feet away the whole time. Was Dr. Carter informed of the decisions you were making in your treatment plan? No. I wanted to handle it myself. I thought I was better at this job than I guess I am. I'm completely responsible. Nobody else is. Were you state of deposed? Yes. When is that supposed to take place? A deposition? We're not sure. We haven't heard from the family yet. I might not be able to do it for a while. Why is that? The army called me up. I'm going to be deployed to Iraq. And all of the bleeding heart liberal anti-war <laughs> stuff that comes along with it. How convenient. Like, not that I'm... Not, not that I super mind it, because, you know... I'm not a liberal, but, like... I'm, uh, I, I'm not. I'm a leftist. There's a big difference I there. I know. I know. I just... Um, no, but, I mean, good on Gallant for sticking to the story. Like, say what you will. He said he was going to do a thing. He's doing a damn thing. Yeah, no, I mean, like, <laughs> you know me. I appreciate a good commitment to a bit. Uh, yeah. Even when that bit is, you know, destroying your own career just to uh, just to save the ass of a girl who you kind of I have a crush on, I guess. You haven't even. Who you may see her ass eventually. <laughs> yeah, you so... haven't really. uh I haven't really made that abundantly clear until last episode, you know, so it's, uh, it seems like a bit of a flimsy, uh, flimsy foundation to go out and stick your whole career out there for. And it sure is convenient that you're leaving the country, sir. Right. Did you ask to go to Iraq? <laughs> I volunteer. Iraq. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I hate everything about that. Uh, I, I just, no, I don't hate everything. I, I hate. As I said, I think last episode, I just hate that we're finally doing something with Gallant only to watch him fade away. Um, they've essentially forgotten he's existed for the past season, uh, which, you know, plays a part in why he's leaving, which we'll get into uh, towards the end of the episode. But uh, it's um, it's just unfortunate. There, There's a lot, lot more interesting things, I think, that you could do with him, especially since we're starting to see kind of a little bit of... Um, breakthrough in the ensemble you know like there's there's some spaces that are going to be opening up here very soon like chen's kind of got one foot out the door carter it seems like is kind of starting to question you know his uh and uh, i should say their their actual name like Noah wiley is starting to think like as he said when we talked to him like he came back around this time and was kind of like he had kids for the first time and like he was a married man and was like sort of like Oh, maybe this is maybe this job isn't the most important thing and the only thing in my life anymore. And so, like, there's starting to be some of that like kind of shifting at the top. And you could see a, a way that like somebody like a gallant could really step up and and fill that void. And, and Instead, we're gonna get a redheaded man with four nipples. <sighs> yeah. Well, no. See, that's a happy happy consequence, I suppose. I know. That's that's yeah. I know, but it's just. It's one of the most random fucking things it I've is, ever seen in a TV show. It is it, spoiler for when Morris takes off yeah. his shirt later in the series. That is a good point, though. Like, it's one of those sliding doors kind of things, though. If they if they find a place for Gallant that allows him to take more of a central role and allows him to do a little bit more, do they 
put as much time and effort into building Archie as they ultimately do? You know, do you get one without the other? I don't know. You know, it's. I don't think you do. It's, yeah, so I don't know that I would make that trade though. Like I don't, I, I don't know that. I, know. I don't know that I would give up Archie. I, it it ultimately worked out. Yeah, but. Not for a it's while. Just, just a shame that it has to come at the expense of Gallant. But uh, Abby found, uh, so we go back and check on Abby, who found that her uh, drug-seeking guy may be drug-seeking, but he's also clean at the moment, which uh, puts a interesting only, twist on only, things. Only aspirin and caffeine in the system. Yeah. Uh, she finds Susan in an empty uh, exam room with a baby monitor, just hoping, praying that she's having Braxton Hicks contractions and not real ones. Because this episode fucking needs more. Like we, of course. <sighs> and then Sandy's. It's death and rebirth. It's a whole theme. It Daniel. rhymes. Come on. It, oh God, is J.C. Young just a pen name for George Lucas? Did <laughs> did George Lucas write this fucking oh episode? My God. It rhymes. No, I'm pretty sure George Lucas is just actually uh, R. Scott Gamble. Oh, there's a twist. <laughs> Uh, Sandy's brother, other brother, not, this is not the, oh, hey, it's that guy version. This is the, the much less recognizable brother, uh, comes in asking the about her, the much more punchable yeah, face. The one who is a, uh, firefighter as well. Uh, or at least he's in like the firefighter garb. So we can assume that he is also a firefighter. Uh, he's played by the aptly named Tito Ortiz, not the MMA fighter, uh, who would later go on to be a uh, mayor in California somewhere and uh, also do a little. St- that seems like a bad uh, idea. Oh, it was a real bad idea. Yeah, I wasn't good at it, uh, but uh, did, did a slight bit of domestic violence, too, as you as you might imagine from the cage fighter. <laughs> exactly. It's the UFC. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Right. It comes with the territory. Uh, but he has appeared in stuff like uh, Nimona. And voices in Despicable Me's one and two, uh, and he's making his first of two appearances as Sandy's lesser brother. Uh, we go up to Sandy's operation, and Sandy's hanging in there. She's she's fighting the good fight. Um, it's one of those things where I kind of almost like wish, like they would pull a Grey's Anatomy, and we would get like the mental stuff of what's going on in her head mm. while all this is going on. Like they do sometimes. They do sometimes on Grey's Anatomy. It's like it's weird, but like. This is the one time I think it would be interesting to have something like that, but it would also just not thematically fit at all. Yeah. Yeah. So she's hanging in there. Uh, Carrie and Lizzie are sharing a moment bonding over finding spouses at County and just Carrie with the line. I miss, I miss Mark too. Um, uh, from the, um, actually department, oh, excuse me. uh, Carrie and Sandy actually met, uh, in a street alleyway, uh, under some down power lines in the back of an ambulance, uh, not actually on uh, county but, county general property. But that's but they're saying like they didn't think but ultimately uh, Sandy came back to county repeatedly and courted yeah, Gary. Yeah, yeah. No. It is. It's a nice moment. Um and we find out Neela passed her boards. Yay but she's absolutely not thrilled at all about it. But she is happy that she doesn't have to tell her parents that she failed. No one in this episode is happy <laughs> like, no. for any reason. Like there is no happiness in this episode at all. The gays, the Neelas, the no one can have, no one can have nice things. <laughs> the alternate title for this episode should be bro. I am straight up not having a good time. <laughs> like <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> Because that is what, ha- that is what's happening in this episode. Uh, back up to the OR. Speaking of not having a great time, back up to the OR. Sandy's getting worse. Uh, Anspot still works here. He manages to, uh, slip in and make an appearance uh, and find out that they're going to have to crack Sandy's chest. That's always a good sign. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to our second and up two audio clips here. Uh, Gallant is with the drug seeker guy out in the ambulance bay and Neil pops in afterwards. Nicotine, coffee, and aspirin. Setting yourself up for an ulcer. 
drink coffee. Gay soda, then. A lot of caffeine in your system. Over-the-counter migraine tablets. I don't do squat, though. Nothing works but Imitrex. It's a pretty expensive medication. Especially for someone who doesn't work much. I'm not assured anywhere. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Uncle Sam. How long have you had the headaches? Ever since I pulled sand duty in the Gulf. What branch? Army. Yeah, me too. Don't count on the benefits. Spent a year in the desert, came home with migraines. The VA says it's not service related. Won't give me a dime. That why you sell the Vicodin? Pay for the Imitrex? What unit? 43rd Battalion, Medical Corps. <clears throat> you gonna turn me in? No. But I'm not gonna give you the Vicodin either. It's fair enough. You stay low. Watch your back. You didn't say how your meeting went. It's gonna be fine. Look, I'm sorry I've been, I don't know, bitchy about this whole thing. It's just not comfortable for me. Lying and having someone else cover my mistakes and it just sort of keeps on compounding one on top of the other. being deployed to Iraq. I'm heading for Texas tomorrow morning. You haven't finished your residency. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna finish up the last few electives down there. They called you up just like that? Yeah. You're a coward. What? what? Coward and a liar. I never asked you to do this for me, but you did. And now you're leaving. And I'm supposed to live with the fact that I killed a man and that you helped a lie for me to cover it up? Listen, Neela. Go, Michael. Go to bloody Iraq. And tell yourself you've done something noble. I had to protect you and Dr. Carter. No. You didn't. So, you want to talk about missed opportunities in this show? <laughs> Having this be the springboard for a Gallant storyline where he volunteers to work with veterans, tries to get a clinic set up a la the... Carol. What, God, what was her name? Carol. Um, but, you know, for helping, with, for helping with veterans specifically, guys like this. This could have been an inspiration for a great, a great streak of interesting storyline for Gallant. But instead... Neela. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so unfair to Neela, but but it but but know, such a but, funny but like a funny subject line. Instead, but that's the Neela. that's the direction they, that's the direction they they take a turn to. Um, that's that's the end of that guy for this story for for, for, the, for forever line. for forever. So yeah, talk um, about fucking like interesting threads that you're gonna do dick all with. 
Like I know that it's like it's like you're watching the most interesting part of the episode float away from you like a balloon string that you've just let go of. Like no, come back. It's like wait, no, no, no. I want to know more about the shitty VA. Like yeah, dude, we there there could be so there's trust me as a as an active participant in the VA system, there's so much you could do with like the inadequacies and the bureaucracy of the VA medical system. Like there's so mm-hmm. much you could do with that as a storyline. And, and I think Galan is like the perfect kind of like avatar for that. And they're just, and also too, like I get that he's not, um, he hasn't graduated yet. So like, he's not a full resident yet, but there's no fucking way that they are sending a doctor to the front lines like as a like just as cannon fodder as, as, as cannon fodder the way they're about to like Je- uh, nurse jen you know like she uh went through school and stuff you know she she finished nursing school before she joined the military and in and, and it was granted there is a slight difference because she was in the air force this is the army but in the air force you know, when you join, you got to go through basic training. You got to do all the thing. And she was like, yeah, she's like, so technically she went through, you know, officer school or whatever. Um, but there were those certain like charmed professions like doctors, nurses, lawyers uh, that like she was like, we went to like summer camp. She's like, we didn't go to basic training. She's like, there was no like pushups in the sand. There was no like 5 a.m. runs. You know, she's like, I went to a school where we learned how to march for a month. Like, <laughs> you know, and then and then got Does she have any weapons training? Um a little bit, like when she when they thought there was a brief period where they uh they thought that she may have to be sent overseas, you know. Um Yeah. Generally speaking, that's about the only time that they do any sort of like hands-on weapons training because they they gotcha. they do get issued a sidearm in that case. Um but the rest of the time, like, she was like, dude, I was as far removed from a battlefield as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> like, never happened. She was, you know, she, she always liked to joke. Like, she was like, I was treating uh, officers' wives like tennis elbow and, like, little baby 19-year-old recruits get doing their STI screenings. Like, she's, she's like, that's, that's what I was doing. I mean, necessary stuff, but... 100%. 100%. Yeah, just not... Not da- very dangerous. No, not not a, not especially dangerous. Um, so you know. But yeah. How, what do you think of what do you think of uh, Neela in this scene and her reaction? Um, I think you know. I agree to a certain extent. You know, like I I think it is kind of st- as noble and gallant as it may be. Uh, it's um, ultimately, if you really drill down on it, it is kind of a selfish, shitty thing for him to do. Like, basically, like, offloading this, like, emotional baggage onto her that, like, he stuck his neck out and, and basically saved her career and is now going to, you know... Peace out, Girl Peace Scout. out, Girl Scout, <laughs> and go to a very dangerous place uh, and put his life on the line even further, potentially, well, to be potentially f- doubling down on emotional damage that this could do to her. He did say... That he was called up. He didn't say go to the go to the army and be. I'm, it doesn't sound like he went to the army and was like, "Can I go to Iraq, please?" Yeah, it is get shot it is at. Awfully convenient. Dodge explosives on the side of the it road. It is awfully convenient timing, and to like just again, 2004 is a very different time than 2024 in terms of like active combat situations and things like that. I just would my my gut tells me and and the little bit of very far removed experience I have with these kind of things. Um, 
he would be really far down a list. Like, he would not be the first guy they would pick off of a list and go like, oh yeah, that one. We need him for uh, for service immediately. Like, there, there's a lot of other people that they would have called up before they got to his name just based on his qualifications and like what he was what he was doing with, it wasn't like he was sitting at home doing nothing like he's actively working in a trauma center which is an area of need in an urban setting like he has a lot of reasons why they wouldn't pick him first so like it, it strikes me even though it's never spelled out that way it does strike me as maybe he did a little backdoor finagling where he was like I think I'd like to go now like since his entire family is has mili- is military pretty much yeah like so maybe he has some connections that yeah, way it just you know it's it, it rings a little bit hollow but uh and and just on a performance tip i mean i i it's nice to see neela you know barbara negra it's nice to see her go to that other gear of like intensity you know of like fuck you yeah energy like it wasn't like a because we've seen her be overwhelmed and we've seen her be like stressed out and we've seen that kind of thing but this felt different this felt like a, a different she was tapping into a different part of the emotions bag here uh and I'm, I'm here for it because i do think she's a really talented actress and i think she can i think she can really bring it when she's given you know good material uh, but uh, for now, we go and check in on Susan, who's not in labor, uh, but needs to be on bed rest, ideally, until uh, her little uh, Donald Logue sperm is born. <laughs> 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 I started to say spawn, and then the COVID brain took over, and it came out as sperm. So, you know, I apologize. Look, people, none of us are at a, none of us that are, are at 100%. I, apo- I apologize to Lauren, who's in the other room, ripping her headphones out as we speak. Um, doesn't even know why. <laughs> just, in, just in honor. She's not even. She, she doesn't even have headphones. She doesn't even on. know she's why. Listening to stuff just with with headphones off. She's just shoving her phone off of the <laughs> off of the bed for some reason. Uh, but we also find out that Abby failed her boards because no one can have anything nice this episode. Nope. Uh, and it sounds like based on the scoring, it sounds like she uh, didn't miss by much, but but yeah. did miss. So, which I know how that feels, man. That that fucking sucks. It's a it's yep. a bad feeling. Uh, you almost you almost wish you've cratered in those moments. Like you, exactly. You, it's like, why give me the fifty nine? Yeah. Let me out of a hundred. If you're like just like either put it at sixty or bring me down to like forty five, yeah. so I can just be like, no, I just fucked yeah. up. It's don't don't let me relive every single decision I made while testing to think that if I have just done one thing differently, I wouldn't have to put up with this bullshit anymore. But you know, a lot of. A lot of test-related trauma in my background, so uh, we will move on to something far less depressing, which is the death of a mother. Uh, go back up to Sandy. Uh, Carrie is crying, uh, been there, uh, and gently petting Sandy. Uh, as they're working on her, Sandy's heart stops entirely. They start to do internal compressions and things, and the the writing's kind of on the wall here. Carrie kind of just quietly and then kind of the, the voice builds a little bit and she finally tells him to just stop. Yeah. Once she goes from V fib to asystole, yeah. that's when they when Carrie's like, now just just let her go. Yeah. Especially because again, great prop work. You you see the blood there's blood coming through Sandy's intubation mm-hmm. tube. Like so it's like you know there's Carrie knows at that point you you're not getting someone yeah. back. Yeah. Every every little detail is is uh is in there. And yeah, I um, 
I, I, as I was saying earlier in the episode, like I remembered this episode being way more graphic than it ends up being. Like I remembered Sandy being way more fucked up, like visually. Like I, I remember there being a lot no. more. Gra- and and I think part of that is me, um, and we talked about this way back when, kind of conflating this with uh the healers back in season two, whatever that was, uh when Raul is is killed and and his ah, his yeah. situation is graphic graphic as fuck and, whereas the sandy only has her some red spots on her skin and a little bit of char yeah, on one side she's of got her a, face but nothing like she's not badly different no she's and she's got a little like Raul right was. she's got a little bit of like soot around her nose um to you know remind you i guess and a lot of, i will say that it is um what is sort of a, a gripping detail too throughout this uh, whole thing is there's a lot of because she's intubated there's a lot of eye acting from uh, Lisa Vidal like there's a lot of a lot of the emotion is kind of on the eyes especially when they first intubate her down in the ER like it's she can't talk obviously so like it's a lot of a lot of that you're, you're feeling a lot of that fear and trepidation from from the eyes there. And yeah, this is the end of uh, Sandy. This is the end of of that character, uh, as it were. And but certainly not the end of her influence. No, yeah, this will this will drag on for a bit. Uh, I think this I think uh, this drags on into next season. Does it not? Uh, I don't remember, but I hope it's done in like three episodes. I think this does. I think this so, does drag into next season. We gotta have a we gotta have a good old fashioned custody battle. We haven't had one of those in a while. Uh, Let's get bring Benton back. He's I was gonna expert. say, get we need Jake to do another legal, uh, legal pod about actually. We, I mean, if you if you would, but yeah, like I know he probably doesn't have the time, but this is uh, this is gonna turn into a bit of a thing as we will see by the end of the episode. But it is a shame, uh, to see Sandy go out in a way like this that, as I was alluding to earlier in the episode, feels like unnecessary. Like it just feels exactly, it, it just feels like they haven't really especially now that we we're coming to the end of those two's time together, it's blinking. You miss it. Like there's like once they've like, once Carrie is out, out and like, she's like, yeah, I'm gay and I'm happy. God damn it. Then they just put her back. They put Sandy back in a closet. (laughs) Like literally like shit's like theoretically they're together from season seven to now. Right. But, but it's, you wouldn't know it, you know, watching, like I said, they, they pulled her basically out of the shadow realm to have a baby after months of not mentioning her at all. Uh, It's just really kind of frustrating in retrospect that they had this uh, whole new kind of dynamic to dig into with Carrie's character and, you know, you're complaining that, that, you know, there's this void after Mark leaves and that there's all these, there's all these things you could be doing and they just chose not to. And it's not like, it's not like, uh, Sandy, uh, and by extension, Lisa Vidal, it's not like there's a contract issue to be worked out here. Like Sandy is a bit player. Like she's a, she's not a main, she's a, she's a Donald, right. She's not a main cast player. And as we've learned, those people aren't on contracts. They just get paid for every episode that you use them in. So it's like, they're not under any pressure to like, Oh, we got to wrap this up. Cause we're like running out of episodes. It's like, no, it's like, just use them until you don't need them anymore. And so like, it, it just feels very arbitrary that they made this decision of like, Oh, well, what do we got this going? What do we got going this week? I guess we better kill the lesbian. Like what for? I mean, it's the early aughts network TV. Yeah, no, and gays. Except unless your unless your show name is Will and Grace, gays cannot have anything nice. Right, and it and it is the the landscape is important because you know as we've talked in the about in the past, like House is already kind of 
establishing a foothold. Even though it hasn't debuted yet, I'm sure that somebody behind the scenes knows that Grey's Anatomy is coming. Like, oh, it's coming in the next couple. Right. Of months. So I'm saying, like, so it's debuting. Right. In the next so I'm months. like, so even though we don't, as the audience, know about it, and even though it hasn't had the cultural kind of like impact that uh, we now know it to 20 years later, we now know it to have had. Somebody behind the scenes, somebody in in John Wells's orbit is aware that this other monstrosity over on the other network is coming to take more of the eyeballs away from them. And, you know, they're desperate to like cling on to that a little bit. So why not take one of these side characters and, and off them if you get the chance? I understand why they would do it. I just wish it wasn't this one. Yeah. Didn't have to be the gay one. Doesn't have to be this way. Exactly. Uh, but we are, we are out of the OR now and Carrie is with Sandy's body. Uh, Lizzie breaks some protocol and extubates Sandy before, before the, is it like before like the medical examiner has yeah. a chance to, like it, some, it's a, it, anytime before the morgue has, the, the mortician has a chance to right. poke around and see, make sure what the cause of death right. was. Anytime there's a, a death in like dispute like that, where there could be a, a question of like, who's at fault, you know, car accident, mm-hmm. building collapse in this case, you know, fire, you know, whatever, like somebody's going to be liable for this death. They by law can't do anything to the body other than what was done to try to keep the person alive uh, so that they can, you know, make those kind of determinations when it comes to stuff like insurance or any kind of legal liability. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lizzie extubates Sandy and Carrie and Sanity apparently wanted more kids they wanted a very, very big family, uh, like eight kids level of family, which is fucking insane. Uh, Carrie tells Carrie says she'll we will go tell the family. And just a note in this scene, Lauren is, is acting her ass off in this scene by doing so little. She's just sitting there and talking basically monotone because mm-hmm. she's in shock right. and she does it perfectly. And I hate this scene because Sandy's dead. But I love Laura Innes in this. Oh scene. yeah, no, yeah. It, it's like it's a masterclass by Laura Innes on both ends of the spectrum. Because like we get this kind of very understated moment here, and then in a little bit we'll get the really like Sally Field just like let it out kind of mo- you know moment in in a couple of ways. Uh, but so it, like I said at the beginning of the episode, like it's um, I love it when we get these moments for these actors and these characters who I know to be very good. You know, Laura Innes is a, is amazing. Uh, but I hate it when it has to come at the expense of, you know, such a, like, of the characters. Yeah, happiness. just like a needless, a needless death, you know, like it does sort of feel like, uh, I think, uh, I've heard people say before, like, it feels like they're just like these little puppets that are just being tortured, you know, by some, mm-hmm. some God, you know, who's just like fucking with them for the sake of it. Some cruel God. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, the, the cruel God is called society. Hey, ha. <clears throat> but uh yeah not great uh we then uh, go back and check on gallant who isn't planning on telling many people that he's leaving uh just wants to kind of quietly slip out the door here uh susan thinks that Luis's family won't sue after all of the you know events of the day because again we have to conveniently make this storyline disappear because it doesn't matter because the principal character is fucking off to iraq but they say that the families don't usually sue doctors they like. Right, yeah. And apparently they really like Gallant. Okay. Like, so. Yeah, okay, sure. It's... Mm. I don't care if you became my best friend. I would sue your right. ass off if I thought there was a wrongful death yeah. inv- 
if the truth ever actually came out in this uh, whole situation, holy fuck. Like, Goodbye County. Right? That's just millions upon millions and millions of dollars. It's going to be Luis Sanchez Memorial Hospital after that. <laughs> exactly. Um, Luca came in early to uh, catch up with Sam after her shift. And I love when she, she goes and hugs him and she's like, oh, Sandy Lopez died today. And Luca, without a hint of hesitation, just goes, who? <laughs> it's such a like himbo move like it's such a like he's just pretty like that's his whole thing he's just a good looking dude this episode this episode at least he is just the pretty face fucking himbo to the fucking rafters man he's like oh and she goes care look he's just tired man (laughs) he's doing night shifts he's just tired she goes carrie sandy and he's like oh like it's such a it's the one bit of like little bit of levity I can take out of this episode is fucking how stupid Luca is. Um, yeah. So, and then we see Pratt saying goodbye to Gallant. Uh, and you know, you can tell here that the two of them clearly have come to some level of respect for one another. Oh man. So glad that this, the black guys getting right. I'm so glad they got those two black characters to notice each other. Got to make sure we get that in there before the end. Uh, and then we go to Sam. She gets home, and oh shit, Dad version one is here. Cause this fucking episode needed more. Like Jesus Christ. Also, this feels really early for for. Yeah, it does. I thought this was the next season. I yeah, this is because all that stuff goes down at the end of next season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then by then, this guy's been replaced. Right. So we have here Steve 1.0, uh, who I believe is uh, affectionately known by the. I say affectionately with air quotes. Uh, known uh, in the fandom as Scary Steve. Uh, there's there's Scary Steve and there's Hillbilly Steve. <laughs> and this is Scary Steve. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Hedlund is definitely more of a Hillbilly. Yeah. Steve 1.0 here is played by actor Cole Hauser, who has uh, appeared in stuff like Too Fast, Too Furious, Dazed and Confused, and the TV series that a lot of people talk about, but I've never seen a frame of, Yellowstone. Uh, Same. And uh, he's making his first of four appearances, uh, which feels like not that many like it felt like it was a more even split uh between steve's well i because remember he gets he's here for a moment then he's really just trying to get money uh, okay from sam so he can do a do an illegal thing that he gets caught doing oh, and then goes to okay yeah all right you're that that tracks yeah. yeah but yeah he's making his first of four appearances here as steve yeah uh, and abby's sitting with carrie and carrie is finally overwhelmed by the emotions of the day and cries while being held by abby Oh man! Finally, just let's let's it go. And then, and then again, like I said, you, this is a perfect example of like how get you a girl who can do both. Like Laura mm-hmm. Ennis can do the like cold, distant, detached, thousand yard stare level of trauma, and she can also do the the wailing, Sally Field like to the rafters kind of trauma as well. And we'll see we'll see even a third gear before the end of the episode. But it's just give give Laura Ennis all of the flowers. Um, we then uh, have to wrap up go- with Gallant here. Neela catches up with him before he finally leaves. He's literally like in full uniform, getting into a taxi. Get like, this is the most like World War Two fucking uh, Times Square fucking bullshit. Like now featuring people of color, right? Like this is so like this is so on the nose. You know, as it as if we should expect anything less from the guy with the name Gallant that this was not going to be on the nose, uh, but. They have, like, this tearful goodbye. She kisses him. They say goodbye. Blah, 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 whatever. 
he goes off into the sunset. This does mark the last appearance of uh, one Michael Tiberius Gallant as a main cast member. He will be returning over the next couple of seasons as an infrequent guest star uh, until they, you know make a make a martyr out of him uh and yeah. so we ain't doing we ain't doing his episode his uh yeah. retrospective episode yeah, like i said he's yeah. in a he's in that susan class of like it was really hard to pin down when would be a good time to do his and i think we just sort of collectively decided it would be best as when we're done done with him to to do After that boom yeah uh, the reason that he goes to that, the reason that Sharif Atkins is leaving, not, not Michael Gallant, the reason that Sharif Atkins is leaving is the, that he was kind of dissatisfied with how his character had sort of taken a, a big backseat to some of the other storylines on the show, which, you know, based some of these other white ass <laughs> characters on the show. I mean, seriously, based on what we've observed over the last season and a half, like, yeah. I, I think I would probably be a little bit, you know, but I'm also lazy. So, like, if I had guaranteed money and I didn't have to, like, work that much, I'd be like, fuck, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's great. Like, I'm. Hey, he cares, he about, cares his about his craft. craft. He's an artist. You know, that's why he's him and I'm me. Uh, like, he <laughs> he he wanted. To, that's why you're here. Right. <laughs> he's in he Hollywood. wanted to do more. He wanted a bigger opportunity and he was getting one. Uh, NBC offered him a starring role on a new primetime cop drama that they were starting up, I think, on Wednesday nights. So he's moving, staying on NBC, staying in primetime, just moving over a night and getting his name moved up the call sheet. Uh, NBC cop drama Hawaii, which was going to be premiering uh, later that fall. Uh, it lasts for a whopping seven episodes before being canceled. So, and of course, Daniel has the Ron Swanson <laughs> gif in here where he goes so swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. That's <laughs> you know, it, I love it when you put gifts in the in the in you, the notes. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You know, so I, I, I don't fault him for trying. It was just it's it's unfortunate. And like again, like I think I mentioned last episode, like it's unfortunate that they weren't able to. Uh, figure all that shit out and then just go like do it do a sherry stringfield do a susan and be like wow me leaving was a bad idea can i come back yeah sure come on in like what what was the point like that annoys me but anyway (laughs) just just annoyed noises everywhere and oh oh boy you know i was gonna get the audio clip of this but i don't but you you deserve to hear exactly how I feel about this as this shit is happening. I think the only time I'm ever probably going to get an audio clip of this is when when it finally goes to court. But because then that's just Lauren as peak. Um, and oh, it's great. It's it's a great time for a shitty, completely unnecessarily traumatic storyline for Carrie. As if losing her wife wasn't enough. Uh, Carrie goes to pick up Henry and he's not where he's supposed to be. And it turns out Sandy's family are basically stealing him like the homophobic bitches that they are. And the episode ends with Carrie screaming and banging out the door because she believes she hears Henry inside. And she will not. And she they have closed the door on her. Oof. I hate this. I hate so much of this. This is maybe my actual least favorite storyline in the entire show. Because it's just so unnecessary. You don't need to do this. Yeah. You just, uh, you, there's no reason for it. Yeah. I mean, I get, so you already, you already killed the gays. You already killed the gay. Like you, you did, you did your, your, your 2004 Hollywood right. thing. It happens, but you don't, it is, uh, it is a bit of a double down. Um, 
you know, but I, I, I'm torn because, you know, as as the straight white man in the conversation, I have to play devil's advocate. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm torn because Naturally. I'm to- I, the only reason I say that is because, like, it does bring out some really good dramatic performances from Laura Innes. So, like, in terms of service to her as an actress and service of her character, is it a shitty thing that happens to her character? Unquestionably. Is it? Could we, could you have achieved something similar, a similar effect through less uh, on the nose traumatic means? Probably, um, but like, I understand it from a creative standpoint of like it's not a pleasant, you know, rock to turn over, but it is a rock you could turn over in this situation and be like, well, let's yeah. explore this and let's let's poke at this bear a little bit and and see where this goes, because I would you didn't have to. I'm just I would much rather they do something like this that is unpleasant to watch and is unpleasant to revisit but is ultimately like substantive and reflective of a real thing that happens especially around this yeah, time than to just have a character like Carrie which will ultimately end up happening to her kind of fade into the background. Yeah, but there there's just so many better ways you could do this. You could do this where the family just want is like so we're getting we get half custody, right? Mm-hmm. And then Carrie's like, what? And then you go from, and then you go from there. You don't need to just have them essentially kidnap, but not, but legally they don't, but essentially kidnap a child. Right. And it also like, and just make, and make Carrie and make, um, and they do it. They don't even do it like a few days later. They do it on the same, the morning after Sandy dies, the morning after Carrie sat next to Sandy so she wouldn't die alone, and Carrie watched her, the love of her life die, and the mother of her child die on an operating table. Yeah, you don't have to do this now. No, I just I hate it so fucking much. Sorry. No, I and you're you're well within your. I mean, you're. This is like I said, it's a shitty storyline. It's a it's a it's a shitty subject matter, and uh, I'm just hopeful that. Because again, I, I remember broad strokes. Like I don't remember all of the specifics, and so I'm I'm hoping that they more or less like stick the landing. At least make it compelling to watch. At least make it a uh, you know something that it was worth doing at the end. If it if it ultimate oh the, no the storyline resolves like shit too. Yeah, so well, you know we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But it's yeah no this it, it makes it the whole thing completely unnecessary. So anyway, uh, so I give like. I give Laura Ennis a 10 out of 10 in this episode. I give this episode itself a five <laughs> because it's just so unnecessarily traumatic in so many ways. It's a big downer. It is a like, it's a huge fucking, it's a shit pile of an it episode. It's really rare that you get one like this. That is just unadulterated, just sadness and a bummer yeah. from beginning to end. No one is having a good time in this episode. Not usually you get yeah. something. They give you one little thread to like hang your hat on and be like, "Oh, well, you know, maybe this is a good thing." And it's like, "No, everyone in this episode's having a bad fucking day." And it's um JC, what are you doing, lady? <laughs> I like to think that she turned this in and it was the equivalent of like Marge in the front seat of like, "Can you tone it down a little bit?" <laughs> like, "Can you yeah. Kids, can you lighten yeah, up? Can you lighten up just a bit?" Like, this is uh this is really great. I'm going to put this over here. Therapist. Like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's like you said, pr- on a performance level, 
because I, I really like what Laura Innes is doing this episode. I like what Lisa Vidal does in her limited amount of what she's able to do in the limited amount of time she's conscious this yeah. episode. And I like what Galant and Neela do acting wise, even if it's like mess story wise. Right. Yeah. So I mean, there there is something to enjoy there, you know, just on a kind of appreciative level. But it is such a bummer that it is really hard. It's hard to recommend. Like, it's hard to be like, oh, man, you got to go watch this. Oh, I would never recommend you watch this episode unless it's part of, like, a full series rewatch. Even then, I honestly, I the last time I did, the last time I did my full rewatch was, in fact, after I, you know, mm. came out and, you know, started to be a member of the LGBT community myself, like, in earnest. And God... Yeah. Damn it. I hated this. Like, I already hated it before, but I, I hated it on, on an entirely new level when when I watched that last time. And I will never watch this episode again. Yeah. If I'm doing a full series rewatch in a few years after we're done with this show, great. I will skip this episode entirely, and I will skip all of the bits in the next episodes with this storyline involved. Well, uh, good news is you're not alone. There was a lot of a uh, lot yeah. of vocal feedback from the listeners on this one. Did we want to ta- tag team these because these are pretty uh, big? Yeah, I'll, I will start us off, and then I will let you know if I need uh, need a hand. Okay. Uh, so, Daniel, what the listeners have to say? Uh, Heather about? R says, "I'm not sure if this was a storyline decision or actor contract decision, but Sandy's character had so much untapped potential. I remember feeling so disappointed that the writers went all soap opera, barely letting Carrie slash Sandy be happy for five minutes, only one and a half minutes that viewers actually got to see over the last season or so before she was killed off. I mean, first we don't see her until NICU, uh, but those scenes were great." Same thing at the start of this episode with a brief scene with Henry. That uh, There's the foreshadowing that everything will go to hell when Henry is crying. Like, he senses something bad. And Sandy tells him, we'll be back. Ugh, I mean, come on. And Carrie telling Elizabeth about how Sandy apparently loved being a mom and wanted more kids, etc. Why didn't we get some of those scenes as viewers? It's almost like some of the reactions by the staff to Sandy being a patient in this episode makes sense from a viewer's perspective. Like when Susan is the first slash only person to recognize Sandy right away, or when Luca doesn't recognize the name when Sam tells him that Sandy died. Really? But I suppose why would they know Sandy? She's hardly been around. Uh, Laura Innes was great in this episode, full stop. The scene where she collapses in Abby's arms is just so heart-wrenching. Speaking of which, I love Abby being there for her friends this episode, Susan and Carrie both. Although I cringe slightly at her saying, Dr. Weaver, it's okay in such a tender moment. You can be on a first-name basis, Abby, call her Carrie. But anyway, it's still another great scene early on in their friendship, love. And see you later, Gallant. Go off to bloody Iraq. (laughs) Sigh. I always thought his story with Neela wasn't that believable because just as they started to pair those two together, he leaves the show and then barely returns. I wanted to see more scenes between them. Uh, At Simply Swooning says, This episode, this fucking episode, it's been burned into my brain since I first uh, saw it when it first aired. For some reason, Corday yelling at Shirley to wipe her brow has always stuck with me. Nothing good happens in this episode, and it's not the first time ER has done that, but it legitimately feels like trauma porn here. When Lucy died, I was shocked, heartbroken, shattered. Uh, When Sandy died, the feeling is almost numbness. Not that my heart doesn't break for Carrie, but I think it's because I could sense it coming from the moment Sandy was brought in. The resignation on Carrie's face when she realizes there's no hope for Sandy is devastating. Uh, Oh, but we thought there would be a sweet moment of Carrie and Henry reunited after the fact. Think again. The knife is only further twisted. I can still hear my mother saying they're not going to give her the baby as the last scene began. And God, what a scene. 
Carrie's exhausted grief turning into rage and despair in the blink of an eye. On top of that, Gallant getting the short stick is so pointless. Watching his relationship with Neela blossom in suspension only frustrates me because it too is a story of what could have been. This overprotective male instinct thing is so, so old at this point. The men in this show are horrible communicators, temperamental as fuck, and married to their jobs. But they'll kill a patient, start a fight, falsify records, and fall on a sword in a second for the women in their lives. Sprinkle in Neela's pity party, Chen and Pratt's post-breakup pettiness, the risk management debacle, Susan's turn at the troubled pregnancy, merry-go-round, and Abby failing her boards. I can hardly take it. And for the cherry on top, Steve arrives. Oh, goody. What the hell is wrong with Sam? Woman had no qualms about fighting a patient, but can't tell her ex-boyfriend to take a fucking hike. Oi. This episode is definitely not bad. It's just so heartbreaking. I can't even begin to pick it apart objectively. Maybe that's the point. At username 11, who says, Who doesn't love an episode where everyone's safe for Carter and Luca's getting kicked in the teeth? I feel like, well, you could say Luca's getting a little kicked <laughs> since Steve showed up, but... Uh, I feel like what we have here is a case of doing too much and too little at the same time. Between Carrie, Sandy, and the Gallant Neela, it's one too many compelling uh, A-tier storylines and not enough time with each. At least split them into different episodes. I don't like what happens with Gal- to Gallant, and as a character, he deserved better. But I do like that his actions have consequences. I also appreciate Neela getting the opportunity to organically demonstrate the gumption she tried. I love that word, <laughs> gumption. Uh, she tried to force in the previous episode. Uh, it's a great moment for the character and a great life lesson. Don't infantilize someone by taking away their agency to own their own mistakes. It's something Gallant needs to hear, but I do feel like so much was left on the table. And sorry, I'm talking like this. <laughs> I have a hard time reading, reading like this. Um, something Gallant needed to hear, but I do feel like so much was left on the table, and with these two, it all feels wasted. Speaking of wasted, Carrie and Sandy sigh. The camera slowly pushing in on Weaver as she tearfully tells the surgeons to stop working at all the hallmarks of a classic ER scene, except it's too surface level. Laura Anna's acts her face off, and Weaver dissolving into a puddle in Abby's arms gets me, but we needed more. More Sandy and more Weaver and... Uh, wait, more Sandy and more Weaver and Sandy to really hit that high note. Instead, we went an entire show year with barely a mention of Sandy, get a glorified cameo in NICU, and now it's supposed to be all in the family 2.0 right? Uh, I <laughs> I don't know what might have caused this behind the scenes, but I can't recall a big ER moment that they fumbled so badly. Or here's an idea. Why don't we just let two ladies be happy they together? Let a, they let the a Nepo baby is... drive. That's what happened. I know. I know. <sighs> One more fuck you to JC. Uh, a joke about Lewis, Lewis's pregnancy waddle provides a modicum of comic relief as Abby's trauma saves the... Abby's trauma save provides... A modicum of triumph. But even they can't escape the episode's wrath of terror. That's not to say that none of these aren't well-produced moments, because they are. It's just a shame that they all add up to really good when the outcome could have been great. Uh, At Carrot says, It's a Carrie episode, and Abby is the MVP. Her med student skills as she takes initiative are impressive, and her empathy is commendable, too. She has confidence in her own skills, and that's what makes the scene so awesome. But I'm going to miss Gallant. Come to think of it, Gallant's been around the same number of seasons Sandy has been, right? Speaking of Sandy, I'll miss her too. Not not that we actually get to see her much. Let's face it, she was a glorified plot device, her main purpose being to make Carrie become more comfortable with her own sexuality, and then to add background conflict for Carrie, and then she dies. Moving on to Sandy's death, it was beautiful, albeit sad, compilation of scenes... 
this was the first time we saw Sandy sort of tear up, and man, feelings have been felt. It was sort of interesting to see Carrie slip into her role as an ER doctor, and it reminded me that she sees herself first and foremost as a doctor, provided Henry is taken care of, then she's a mother first. Uh, to make this whole episode sadder, let's consider that in season eight, Sandy said that she doesn't like doctors. Maybe that's one reason she asked for Carrie. Uh, and then finally, the last scene. I understand how agonizing it would be to have your child, a tiny human who you adore and everyone knows, uh, and, and that everyone knows it, uh, taken from you because you quote weren't their blood. Uh, but it wouldn't be wouldn't it be a little traumatizing for the little baby to hear banging noises and yelling? Uh, each kid is different, however, and I can't blame Carrie for her reaction. She needs a hug. More importantly, she needs Henry. I'm gonna go cry now. And. Me too. Last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad, this episode marks the beginning and end of two storylines that should have been much more than what they are and were. We get the nexus of Neela and Gallant with a sweet kiss and a single tear from Neela before Gallant gets ready to head to Iraq to avoid accountability for his role in last week's debacle, deep eye roll. And Carrie loses Sandy in a tragedy that feels simultaneously heartbreaking yet manufactured. I've articulated my disappointment on the build-up to the Neela-Gallant moment last week, so I'll focus on Sandy and Carrie. As my fellow respondents have pointed out, we haven't seen much of Sandy since they, air quotes, went public in the letter. We get some token appearances in season nine and one in NICU, but suddenly we're going to give her the Raul treatment and sacrifice her to the altar of the ratings chase. The strong performances Laura Innes, Lisa Vidal, and Alex Kingston elevate the thread, and Innes definitely brings you to tears, but this should have been a much bigger moment in ER lore. But what happens after Sandy dies, in the words of Daniel, oh boy. First, first of all, in the King's English, there's two O's in there. It's who boy, uh, you know, <laughs> ho is something very different. Ho boy is something very different. Who boy, who boy, Aaron. Uh, first off, in hindsight, I should have seen it coming because Jose Zuniga hasn't played a good guy since he got a cap busted in his chest in Con Air. And even then he was a DE agent, DEA agent. So there's that. Uh, but the collective decision by writers to lean into the anti-gay Latino family trope was a choice, and it was an infuriating one. I don't care that it elicits some of the best facial acting we see in the show. Laura Innes once again brings it, but it's the start of an ugly storyline I can't stand. Also, fuck Cole Hauser. <laughs> just like that he ends on a little... Just <laughs> Air, uh, that's His name's Aaron, Aaron right? Yeah, cut to... <laughs> yeah, Aaron, Aaron gets Cut it. to Cole Hauser being like, what do you say fuck me for? all right well that's gonna wrap up our episode for today thank y'all very much for listening as always this show is brought to you apart by our patrons over at patreon.com slash sentinel podcast where for the low price of only five dollars a month you can get an assortment of stickers including one featuring our favorite desk clerk jerry and over 75 hours of bonus audio and video content including the full season recap episodes a free-form multi-bonus show called the lounge movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member and character retrospectives where we reflect on departed main cast members. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tone Podcast and we are at Silent Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Silent Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? You can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. Uh, you can find me. I'm still on. I'm still in the dying throes of Twitter. I'm at Random Gamer. That's G A M three R. And hopefully Lauren will be back next week. Otherwise, thank you again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week.
this this whole time I was sitting here and I was like, if I wanted this aesthetic, I'd just go be on my PS5. I don't have to sit through this. 